It's good to see all of you this morning. If you haven't figured out what we've been singing about all morning, is getting to know the love of Christ. And we're going to talk a little bit about that this morning. We've been in a series called Why Am I Here? The first week, what we learned about why we were here was that our mission here right now is to know God. And then last week, we talked about our mission being getting in the game. We were his masterpiece created in Christ Jesus for good works. So we're here to get in the game. We're not here to sit on the bench. This morning, we're going to talk about monitoring our capacity because one of the things that God wants us to do is to really know and understand his love. And Paul prays a prayer in this particular passage that we're going to read to help us understand a lot more about how Christ actually does love us. And uh, so we're going to read about it here in just a minute. But I wonder how many of you have ever run out of gas. Anybody run out of gas? Yeah. Do you know uh, last year, AAA had reported that over 100,000 drivers ran out of gas. That was just in AAA. And uh, it was interesting because they wanted to figure out why people run out of gas. And and one of the reasons is, is just simply that we're absent-minded. We don't check the gauges, right? We just don't watch. We don't look. I know when uh, something happens in our car, I'll ask Lynn. I said, did you check the gauges? Uh, No, I didn't check the gauges. Um, you know, you always kind of monitor your gauges. Well, some of the reasons why people have run out of gas over the last few years is because of the high price of gasoline. And so consequently, people are only putting in a couple bucks here and a couple bucks there. And consequently, they've never really filled up. And so they start running on empty. And then there's folks like me, or perhaps you, that when the little empty gas light comes on, you think, gosh, I think I have at least another 40 miles in this thing, Right. <laughs> And so you kind of push yourself and you think, you know, I, I, can, I can still make it to Costco and back. It's not a big deal. Then you realize, uh-oh, I got too risky. Well, some of us have an empty tank spiritually. Some of us do not have a very good capacity right now. And we're going to look at that and give you a very practical tool later on to figure out how you can monitor your capacity, your spiritual tank. Because I don't know where you are all are at this morning, but some of us can be very, very low in our spiritual tank and capacity to know the love of Christ. And some of us are maybe doing very, very well at that. But we're going to look at that more specifically in just a minute. But let's go to chapter 3 of Ephesians. And the first part of this chapter is, is pretty busy, and it's, it's uh, something that we need to read, though. And I want you to walk through it with me as I read, because uh, Paul is really expressing again to the Ephesian church, the Gentiles here, what a special blessing they have and a special blessing he has to be able to have a ministry to the Gentile people, thus revealing the mystery that's been hidden for so long about Jew and Gentile both having the gospel of Christ in their life. So he says, for this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles, surely you've heard about the administration of God's grace. That word administration means the stewardship of God's grace. It's really a a great word here because there's a lot of us that maybe understand the message of grace when we accepted Christ into our life. But the stewardship of God's grace is really a powerful statement. And Paul says, I feel like it's really, really important that the greatest thing that I can steward in my life is the grace of God in my life. And we do that often through our spiritual gifts. But he goes on to say, that was given to me for you, that is the mystery made known to me by revelation, as I have already written briefly. 
In reading this, then you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to men in other generations, and it has now been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. This mystery is that, through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and sharers together in the promise in Christ Jesus. So you and I, as Gentiles, are sharing in this great mystery that was hidden for so long that we can also share with Christ. Here's verse 7. I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. Although I am less than the least of all God's people, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God, who created all things. His intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. He's given the church, you and I, the authority to present this mystery, this gospel message to the entire world and to even powers and rulers and authorities in heavenly realms. It's a huge responsibility, isn't it? His intent was that now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose, which he accomplished in Christ Jesus, our Lord. In him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. I ask you, therefore, not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are your glory. See, the problem was that the Ephesian church were concerned about Paul because he was in prison when he was writing this letter. And so Paul wanted to remind them and say, hey, look, it's worth it, friends. This is amazing. We have this confidence that we can have in God, knowing that what we believe is absolutely true. And whatever price we have to pay, don't worry about me. Just be confident. And so therefore, now he prays this prayer. And this is really where I want to concentrate my time this morning. And so he writes this prayer, one of my favorite prayers that Paul has ever written. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. Here he starts, verse 16. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Do we pray those kind of prayers for folks? For folks? You know, it seems like 90% of our prayer lives are around maybe a healing of something, physical healing. And that's not bad. But when you read Paul's prayers, they're really cool. I mean, they really go deep. And it's really neat what he's, re- what he's prayed here. And then he says in verse 20, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we could all ask or imagine, according to his power that is work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. What a mouthful. Have you experienced that prayer in your life? What's fascinating here is that he prays this prayer for the church at Ephesus. And Ephesus, as we know from the first message that I gave, was a lot like our modern-day culture, maybe Las Vegas or a metro center that's uh, very into materialism and sexual immorality and things like that. And he prays this prayer for this church that they would know the love of Christ and they would never lose that capacity to understand and comprehend his love. And yet, when you read about the church at Ephesus in Revelation, you realize that this was the very church that lost its first love. So Paul knew that this church was at risk, and therefore he prays his prayer. Well, let's take this 
prayer and break it down a little bit because his first request in verse 16 was this. He may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. It's our inner being that he wanted us to find strength. Sometimes we think about physical strength, but here what Paul is just saying is, look, he says it's not about anything except your heart. It's all about your inner being. And when he prays his prayer for the inner being, he says, I want you to realize that you need to be strengthened. It means to be strong and capable, that word strengthened, because you have the Holy Spirit in your inner being, that very resurrection power that we talked about a week ago. This resurrection power in our life, he's saying, I want the Holy Spirit to manifest his power in your inner being. That's a neat prayer for somebody. And then request number two. He says, I pray that you be rooted and established in love. Paul knew that these folks were a little fearful. And we also know from what John tells us is that perfect love casts out fear. And so what Paul wanted these guys to really understand is, hey, look, you need to really understand that you are being rooted and established in the love of Christ. And that very love will cast out the fears that you have in your life. So the more you get to know his perfect love, the less fearful you will be and the more courageous you will be. And so Paul prays this for them. And then he says in request number three, I want you to grasp all the dimensions of his love. He talks about the width and the length and the height and the depth. And that word grasp is a really neat word. It, it, it means to come together in the Greek. What it really means is, is that these, what he's saying to these folks, he's saying, I want you to have an aha moment. I want you to, to have something that goes beyond your knowledge, which we, his request is number four. He says, listen, I want this love that you to, I want you to experience this so deeply that you get it, that somehow you, you, you've taken this love and it's become your own. And you realize that, no, he died for me. He loves me. Uh, he, everything that goes on in my life is because he loves me. I want you to get it. So I want you to grasp it. I want you to comprehend it. I want you to have it come together for you so that you understand it. And so then request number four, he says, to know this love that surpasses knowledge. See, a lot of us know he loves us up here in our head, but we don't really experience oftentimes in our inner being to where it becomes so much a part of us that we feel significant and accepted and we have the sustainability in our lives. Because even though out there, there are a lot of people, their, their love becomes suspect at times. I know without a doubt that Jesus loves me. I'll never forget a story of a guy who many years ago who's had his legs blown off in Vietnam and he was walking across America on his hands. And I remember he was in India and he was in the poorest part of India and he was watching these kids digging through garbage dumps and they were picking garbage out of there so they would have something to eat. And he was walking along on his hands amongst these kids and they were singing. You know what they were singing? Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells me so. So in the midst of their poverty and everything, somehow those children knew in their heart of hearts that Jesus loved them and it surpassed their knowledge. It got to their hearts. Do you know that? Can you sing Jesus loves me? This I know. We're going to talk more about that in just a minute. Quest number five, he says that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. So it sort of sees our bodies, if you will, as sort of this container, this, this capacity 
Somehow, what he's saying is, I want you to have a large capacity to be completely filled with all the dimensions of how Christ loves you. And so it's like, this is our spiritual gas tank, he's saying. And he says, I want your spiritual gas tank to be running on full as much as possible. I want you to have the presence and power of the Holy Spirit working in your life and his love so manifested in your life that you're so motivated and so passionate about your your Lord that you'll just move on day in and day out with a fairly full tank. And yet for many of us, we just don't have a full tank. In fact, if I were to ask you this morning, how full is your tank? How full of you are you with Christ and his love? How full are you? And for a lot of us, it's just like what I was saying earlier. You know, our tanks are sort of running on E, and yet we think, I can keep going. I can keep going. I I, I can still go a few extra miles, even though I'm running on empty. It's no big deal. You know, I I, I won't completely run out of gas. Or we don't monitor our gauges. We we don't look at our gauges and say, how am I doing? Where, Where am I at right now spiritually? We're so busy doing that we stop, we forget to stop and contemplate and think through, well, how am I being? What's going on in my life? How, how is my soul being restored? How am I being filled up from day to day? So that's where I want to go with you this morning. And I want to give you a practical tool so that you can monitor your own capacity as to how much what's going on in your life. And it'd be a great tool for you from day to day or from week to week or month to month. So I want you to look up here on the screen. Some of you that maybe have been around uh, Cornerstone for a number of years, maybe perhaps remember this illustration. But when Paul prays this prayer, he says that I want you to have an aha moment. I want you to comprehend. I want you to grasp. And when we grasp, we add that to our capacity. And how do we get there? It's through what I consider contemplation. And what I would say contemplation, if I wanted to define that for you this morning, I would say it's slowing down long enough to see what God has to say to you. So if I slow down long enough to really grasp how much Christ loves me, I increase my capacity. And so let's talk about that for a minute. So what I've done is tried to create this model of, of, a, of a cylinder here or a, a, a jar here that's sort of half full, as you can see here. And what I want you to think about this morning are different facets of your life and how it's affecting your spiritual fullness. So on the left side of the equation, you'll notice here there are fills and there are drains and there are alarms and there are leaks. But I want you to start this morning by thinking in your own life, how full are you today? What do you think your capacity is right now? Have you been running on empty for a while? Have maybe you're running maybe at 50%, maybe 20%. Maybe some of you have just had a wonderful experience with the Lord. And right now you just feel like, man, and I am just so much in love with the Lord. And I just sense his love in my life. And so right now I'm, I'm here. I'm running pretty, pretty hot and heavy. I, I just feel like I got a lot to give, a lot of energy, a lot of spiritual energy. And God has really filled me up. How full are you right now? Why don't you think about it in your own life? Where are you at right now? Are you running on a quarter of a tank, a half a tank, three quarters of a tank? But that's where we need to start. How full are you? Now, let's go to the next slide. Once you decide how how, uh, full you are, there's some ways that you can sort of monitor your capacity by thinking about things in your life that fill you. Now, over here on the left side, these are some things that fill me, although not lately. Golf has been really a, a rough go for me lately. 
But normally golf fills me. There are things that fill me emotionally, spiritually, and physically. Uh, transform lives. Boy, I'll tell you, when somebody comes to Jesus, that's, that's the best thing on the, on the planet. That really fills me. Uh, walking with my wife, Lynn, uh, riding my horse slightly has just been a great filler for me. But think about things in your life that are filling you right now. Is it a Bible study? Is it, is it something that, that you love to do in terms of a hobby? Whatever it is, what are the things that are filling you? And you write those things down on the left side and say, these are the things that are filling me up. These are the things that are, are really energizing me. These are the things that help me to understand Christ's love in my life a whole lot more. So those are the fills on that side. So think about those things with me this morning. What are the things that fill you up? Okay, let's go to the next slide. Now, the other side of the equation is, what are the things right now in your life that are draining you? Now, these aren't sin issues. These are just circumstantial things that go on in your life. One of the things that drains me is administrative ta- tasks. I'm not an administrator. I'm not a detail guy. I'm a big picture guy. I'm a feeler. And so whenever things, there's administrative things to do, it just drains me. Details drive me nuts. So I give all that stuff to my wife. And so Lynn takes care of all my details. And uh, so administrative tasks, uh, details, as I already said, VDPs. I call them very draining people. Do you have anybody like that in your life? People that, that just suck the life out of you, you know? They're like, like human parasites, you know? They come along. I had people when I was pastoring, especially, they were, they were like counselees. And they'd come into your office, and they want a little pat on the bottom and, and make them feel better and listen to them. But they wouldn't change. They wouldn't do anything. So they'd keep coming and keep coming. And finally, I have to say, you know what? You're wasting my time, and I'm wasting your time. So VDPs, do you have any of those people in your life that are just sucking the life out of you? I don't know what's draining it, but these are not sin issues. These are just simply things that go on in life. It could be a loss of some kind. It, it could be a job change. It could be a financial stress. Any of these things that sort of right now are sort of draining you emotionally and spiritually and physically, what are the things that are really draining you right now? And asking those questions is really, really important. And see, when you start looking at both sides of the equation, you might discover that, oh my goodness, there are more drains in my life than there are fills. And consequently, I wonder why I'm running a little bit on empty or I feel like my tank is running low. It's because we really haven't looked at some of the things that are going on in our lives and saying, wait a minute, now I understand. And so some of the things that perhaps that really fill you that you haven't done in a long time, you just need to say, you know what? I need to just go do that. If, if, if running or jogging or, or whatever that hobby or whatever that thing is or, or your devotional life, whatever that thing that picks you up that you've maybe been neglecting for a long time, maybe you need to stick that over on the fill column to compensate for the things that are draining. So you've got, you've got fills and you've got drains. And, and it's really important for each one of us to identify what's going on in our life at this point in time to discover whether the drains are more than the fills. And if the fills are more than the drains, chances are you're monitoring your capacity pretty well. Let's go to the next slide. This is an interesting one because I call this the leaks. Now, what I mean by leaks is these are what I would say sin issues in our lives that are a lot like a drippy faucet. Now, some of you maybe have experienced this where you have a drippy faucet, and if you were to put a plug in the drain of your sink, and overnight that drip, 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 which is often very irritating, as you know, but once you get up in the morning, you realize that, man, the sink is full if you put the plug in. And you realize that there's this constant dripping, and there's a lot of 
sins that go in our lives that are sometimes undiscovered or are hidden to people that we've not really dealt with that go untouched or unconfessed. And what happens is those are constant little leaks that are going on in our bodies. One of my leaks for years was unforgiveness. You know, uh, as a pastor, you know, when you, uh, when I pastored a large church of, uh, there was about 1,200 folks in our church, and, and you, you get sheep bites, okay? You get that? Anyways, they can bite you. And, and I remember one day, just before I got up to preach, a lady came to me one day and she said, you know what? You are the world's worst counselor. You have messed up my son and daughter's life, son-in-law's daughter's life completely with your counseling. They're, they're really, and it's all your fault. And then I had to get up and preach that morning. Okay? And the way I would handle those things historically in my life is that I would say, you know what? You're a pastor. You're a big boy. You can handle it. You know, they're just having a bad day. There's nothing personal here. And what I was doing is I was sweeping some woundedness and some wounds, uh, hurts in my life under the rug. In the name of Jesus, of course. You know, I was just thinking, you know, you know, it's, it's, it's there, you know, it's not really them, it's Satan, you know, it's, it's, he's the real enemy here. And, and man, I would make all kinds of rationalizations and excuses. And yet I was being hurt time and time and time again. And what I wasn't dealing with it was to say, Lord, they hurt me. And so what happened was, over a period of time, that built up, and I had a total breakdown, emotional breakdown after that morning, because I realized that there were maybe dozens of people in my life that had wounded me that I never, ever truly forgave. And so what was happening is, as I was preaching and doing ministry in the church, I was leaking. I was leaking, and I didn't even realize it until that moment. And there's a lot of us that have these blind spots in our lives where there are leaks that are causing these drains or leaking in our lives that are sin that goes unconfessed or something that habitually is going on in our lives and we don't often realize it. And if you want to know what your leaks are, ask your best friend or ask your spouse. I'm sure they would be glad to tell you because these are really important to stop. We got to stop the leaks. And for many believers today, we've got people all over the church who are leaking desperately and quietly, and nobody's dealing with it, and there's this unconfessed sin going on, and then we wonder why we're not running at capacity. And by the way, when we do confess our sin, one of the best ways to experience the capacity, if you will, of God's love is forgiveness, right? And what's interesting is we sort of run from repentance, we run from confession, because we, it's so vulnerable for us. But oh, when you get forgiven, you realize, thank you, Jesus, and you understand the breadth and height and width and depth of his love. And yet, our, we, we go on and we don't confess this stuff, we don't deal with this stuff, and it's one of the best ways, Right? I mean, when, when you came to Christ, he forgave you from your, all of your sin. And what did that do for you? There was this cleanliness. There was this wholeness all of a sudden in your life, and you experienced the love of Christ. And yet on a day-to-day basis, we have this sin that we don't often confess, and so we just continually leak, and then we wonder why we're not running at capacity. Does that make sense? So we've got drains, we've got fills, and we've got leaks. So my question to you this morning, what's leaking in your life? What's leaking? So let's go to the next slide. This is an interesting one because if you look at your dashboard on your car, you know that there are certain idiot lights that come on. 
In, in, in my car recently, I had this idiot light come on that said VSA, some variable steering something. And then I had another light that came on that was like a triangle that looked like a yield sign that said something was maybe wrong with the suspension stabilizing of the suspension. Well, it turns out the lights were just bad. The sensors were just bad. But the problem was, if we ignore those idiot lights, we're really in trouble. And so when the engine light comes on, if we don't pull over or if we don't get some gas when it's on empty, what's going to happen? We're going to break down and we're going to be at the side of the road. And so what happens is God has, has uniquely created us. Remember, we're his masterpiece created in Christ Jesus. So he uniquely molded us in our mother's womb. And each one of us have, I think, specific alarms that we need to be alerted to in our own lives. Let me give you an example. For me, when I become cynical, that's an alarm for me because what's happened when I get cynical is probably because I've been offended or I'm angry about something. And God's just saying, bleep, 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 bleep. Hey, Gershay, you've got a cynical problem. You've got a sin problem. You better take care of this because it's, gonna, it's a leak and you better fix it. That makes sense? Uh, sometimes in my own life, especially when I was a pastor, uh, for so many years, and uh, you sort of kind of, when I lose my compassion, when I didn't want to have that counseling couple come back in my office again because they were VDPs, and, um, and there were, uh, you know, situations in the hospital where I just didn't feel like making that hospital call, and I began to think, something's wrong. That's not who I am. I'm a relational guy. I love people. I want to shepherd people. And when I start losing compassion, that little idiot light comes on, and the Lord's just saying to me, hey, Tom, you're running empty. You better get this fixed. And see, all of us have individual alarms. And see, here's another way we experience the capacity of his love. Because once we know how God, God's wired us all uniquely. And so, so when, when an alarm goes off, our alarm goes off, what is he doing? He's saying, listen, I love you so much that this is an area of your life that you need to fix. And I want to be faithful to you in order to get it straight and fix it up. So it's a really neat thing. So what you do is you pray and you ask God, what are those things in your life? It could be fatigue. It could be having a short fuse for some of you. And that becomes an alarm in your life. You become more sarcastic or, or um, you become more irritable. Whatever those things are that sort of fit you and how God's wired you and those idiot lights are going off in you and you're saying, wait a minute, time out. Time to have a come to Jesus moment. Time to pull over to the side of the road and to really talk to the great mechanic in the sky and get it fixed, okay? And I remember there's been days in my life where I felt like I was totally running on empty. And I remember one specific day, one afternoon, I was out in the backyard and I was just having a quiet time with the Lord and I was contemplating all of this. And I said to the Lord, Lord, I don't know what's going on here, but I just need you to fill me up. I need you to stick that gas nozzle into my spiritual being and I just want you to fill me up because I am exhausted. I am totally running on empty. And as I confess that, I felt this incredible, wonderful sensation that, and he just kind of filled me up from the tip of my toes to the top of my head, just answering that prayer. I just needed the Lord. I needed his love. I needed to know and have my capacity refilled. But those take moments of what I call contemplation, slowing down long enough to assess where am I at? 
And in our culture, we don't slow down long enough to do that oftentimes. We're just so busy doing, we forget about being. And so this is just a small model for you to kind of look at and say, where am I at? How do I monitor my capacity? Let me ask you something really, really important. How have you experienced God's love in your life this past week? It's a great question to ask a small group. How have you experienced the love of Christ in your life this past week? And you know what we often do? We can see how we experience, other people experience God's love in their life. It's easy to kind of see somebody else. But when it comes to us, we say, how did God, how did he become so faithful to me this week? Was it avoiding that accident? Was it giving me the strength to cope with this particular confrontation that I needed to? How did Christ love me this week? And see, when we do that, what are we doing? We're answering Paul's prayer because he's saying, I want you to comprehend. I want you to have those aha moments and say, oh, neat, man. Jesus was so faithful to me this week. Man, he did this for me. He did that for me. Oh, my goodness, I can't believe it. You know, and what happens is we just wait till Thanksgiving for those kind of moments, right? You know, we wait until November, the third week of November, and then we start thanking God for all these things. When in reality, there's all these little things that Christ has demonstrated his love for us day in and day out, but we don't slow down long enough to assess it. I remember when I had my heart problem, and uh, I was uh, had uh, four stents to fix six blockages in me, and I was sitting at home feeling sorry for myself. I was thinking, you know, this is bad timing, Lord. And uh, I was struggling because uh, I had passed out one time, and so they thought I needed a defibrillator and all this kind of stuff. And so I was whining on the couch one day, and Lynn came to me and said, Honey, will you just sit down for a moment and get a pad of paper out and write down all the ways Christ has loved you the past two weeks? And I thought, Oh, you did it again to me, you know? And so I did. I went and I got a pad of paper, and I realized how... There were so many ways, uh, getting the right cardiologist and being basically almost the first patient to ever walk in the Scottsdale Hospital and and to have such great care and and then to think that I had a clot that was going to break off into my heart and I was one step away from death and to realize that they caught that and they, they got it taken care of and all those things. And when I stopped to think about all the ways Christ loved me, guess what? I stopped feeling sorry for myself. I stopped whining. I stopped complaining. We don't do that very well. Somehow we think that Jesus is our little cosmic bellhop and he's supposed to be there for all of us all the time and everything's supposed to go hunky-dory and blah, blah, blah. But the point I'm trying to make this morning is, is that if we don't slow down long enough to hear what he has to say and to realize what Jesus is doing in our lives, we're never going to be grateful. We're never going to be running on full, right? We're never going to be a capacity. So let me close. I hope this little tool will be something that you can think about. And it might be a fun thing for you to do this week. Is to take some time out and, 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 um, and just kind of think, now, what's going on in my life right now? What's draining me? What's filling me? Oh, no wonder I'm depressed. No wonder I'm down in the dumps. No wonder I just don't have any spiritual energy. I'm beginning to realize, and there's some practical things you can do with that by doing more things that fill you. But the point is... If we don't slow down long enough to monitor our capacity, we'll never get to the point where we really know where we're at internally. And that's what Paul's prayer was. He said, Ephesians, listen, I want you to comprehend his love. And when you do that, 
You'll be more courageous. You'll be more confident. You'll be filled. You'll be able to have a greater impact on the culture that we live in, on the neighbors, have a ministry in your life, etc., etc. So will you pray with me this morning? Lord, I, I, you know every person's heart in this room this morning. You know whether they're about as empty as they could possibly be. And, and then there are some here that are just really just having a wonderful time with you, Lord, and are experiencing your love from day to day and are just so grateful and thankful and are growing and, and are filled and are overflowing. I pray for that person right now who's leaking, who has some sin areas in their life that have just been plaguing them for a long time like unforgiveness did for me. And it's been a hindrance for so long. It's that subtle dripping in their life. And then they wonder some days why they just don't have that spiritual energy and that passion for you, Lord. Lord, they're going to know more than ever your love when they confess that sin and find forgiveness once again. I pray for those folks who having some alarms go off right now in their life. Fatigue, anger, excessive stress, all those things that are mounting up. Lord, help them to know that it's time for them to pull over to the side of the road and have a long, long time of contemplation and listening and experiencing and writing down all the ways that you love them. Love, your love is so amazing, Lord. And I know that one of the reasons why we're on this planet is to experience that love. And so I pray that we would know your love more than ever as a result of this prayer. So Lord, I pray for everyone in this church, including myself, that they would know the height and width and depth and breadth of the love of Christ. For it's in his loving and wonderful name. And may he fill us all up in Jesus. Thank you for listening to the audio from Cornerstone Church in Prescott, Arizona. For more information, visit us online at www.prescottcornerstone.com.